Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited that you would join us today and hope you're encouraged by the message you hear. If you'd like to know more, visit our website, highway.com.au. Wonderful, wonderful to see you all. Very much a blessing on my part to be with you today. And uh, let's get straight into the Word, shall we? I want to talk to you today, I want to talk to you about coming from encounter to encounter, or rather from encounter to where. There's a question mark right there, because it's it's one thing talking about encounter, but it's another thing knowing where to go from encounter. And so we've been talking, we entered this year, talking about encounter. And while that sounds like a great church word to talk about and it seems like the right thing to say, sometimes we don't always know what encounter is or what encounter means. But what encounter means is coming face to face. It means coming face to face with destiny, face to face with God, coming face to face with what He's saying, coming face to face with the very things that God is doing, about to do, what He's speaking to you about. And so we entered this year talking to our church here at Highway about encounter, coming face to face intentionally and deliberately with what God is saying right now. Who knows He's an on-time God? He doesn't work by our calendars. He doesn't work by our clocks. He doesn't work by our ideas. He's a face-to-face God, always, always on time. And a few weeks ago or a couple of weeks ago when I was here, I spoke to you about how the Kingdom of God has to become a reality within us internally first before it becomes a reality that we step into. And so the Kingdom of God, that's why you just can't get born again just by attending a church service. I wish it were that easy, but Jesus paid too high a price for that to be the case. The Kingdom of God must become an internal reality for us to say, I believe, I receive, and I will follow the Lord. And so we step into things, the outward things, but it becomes a reality in here first. Our Bibles, and I do hope and pray that everyone is reading their Bible. Is anyone doing that? Please don't let it be the front row people alone. But our Bibles are filled, literally filled with men and women of God who encountered the Lord. Their stories, their testimonies of changed changed lives because they encountered God. Their futures were altered. Our futures were altered because of it. Nations were changed and turned around. Families were spared and protected. Identities were changed. Names were changed when people encountered the Lord. We sang this morning, He's the same God. He's the same God that spoke to Moses. He's the same God that spoke to Joshua, to Deborah. He's the same God that spoke to Samuel. He's the same God that spoke to Gideon. He's the same God that spoke to the disciples. He's the same God. If He's the same God then, He's the same God now. He's the same God that directed the steps and ordered the lives and ordained the lives and anointed the lives then. And He's the same God that's doing it today. Saul encountered God. I take great encouragement in Saul. 
a man who hated the church, hated Christianity, hated anyone who believed, and didn't he encounter God, knocked off the four-legged animal he was riding, and has not just a name change from Saul to Paul, but a total, total identity change, a mission change. And he becomes one of the great evangelists. We stepped into this year talking about encounter, which at least for me started in March this year. But as I look back in hindsight, it really began in 2021. And the Lord began to speak to us about encounter. And earlier this year, uh, unfortunately, we could only take a very limited number with us to Mount Tambourine. But we went there with intention. We went there to encounter the presence of God. We went there to encounter the Word of the Lord. We went there to create space for us to encounter the very purpose of God. And this year, it's been one little step after another, after another, after another, one little, one foot in front of the other. And who knows that that's what your journey is like with God. It is one little step after the other, after the other. A series of words, a series of scriptures, a series of moments and a series of encounters this year. And then we came to Encounter Conference and I don't know, roughly about 500 of you came to Encounter Conference. And the name of this conference was not just a theme that looks great on the the back screens behind me. The name of this conference was given because it was time to encounter our God. It is time to encounter our God. And he told us this year to go to the mountain and I love the very picture of that. But if ever you've climbed mountains, not that I've climbed it, you know, one foot in front of the other, but I've certainly climbed a mountain on one of those old puffing billy trains, done it once, never going back a second time. If you fall off the side of that alp, you will never be seen again. It's immediately to heaven. No one's coming for you. I tell you what, there's something beautiful about the mountains, that place of elevation. And when God begins to speak to us about mountains, you know He's about to take His church higher. You know He's about to speak at another level. You know He's getting us ready for something. And He says, get yourselves ready. And you say, well, what are we getting ready for? Where do we go? I don't know, but I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to follow. I'm willing to obey. And God will show us along the way, one step at a time. The very suggestion that we were going to the mountain, I became encouraged and inspired by that because whenever God begins to speak to you, the mountain, could it be that God is about to revive and refresh His church again, that we can find what God wants to give us again to speak to speak over a valley of dry bones and command the valley of dry bones that life and breath and purpose and destiny and you're standing on your feet, you're finding your place again. We're leaving the valley of dry bones behind with a renewed faith and passion for the things of the Spirit. But while it's one of the benefits of going to the mountain, I believe that one of those things is you get a whole different perspective. You go to higher ground, you get a whole nother look than in the valley somewhere. You just get another perspective. And many in the last few years have wavered between two opinions, wavered between two perspectives, wavered between two places. 
And I feel the Holy Spirit saying, you've been there long enough. You've been there long enough. You've gone round and round that whole circle of things long enough. And he said, go to the mountain, collect what is needed because it's time to build again. It's time to build again. And Jesus said to his disciples to follow him, follow me. They encountered Jesus. And sometimes what strikes me as I read when Jesus speaks to people is he doesn't give a a lot of explanation at times. It's like, follow me, just follow me. And I love it when Byron and I got born again and we came to that moment of salvation, not even really knowing what was going on, but something changed internally, something changed within. And all I can say to you is this, that we got this overwhelming desire and hunger to follow Him. We didn't know where the following would take us. We still don't know where the following takes us. It's just one step after the other. It's one step of obedience and trust and faith after the other. And he said, follow me and I will get you to where you need to be. But here's what I've learned about encounter. Here's what I've learned about encounter. It's not passive. It's not a passive existence. Encountering God is not sitting down and I'll just wait for my turn to come. I'll just wait, I'll hope for my turn to come and maybe, just maybe, my time of encounter will come. Sometimes encounter means a real hunger and a real thirst. Sometimes encounter means I'll set aside other things in order to encounter and come to God face to face. Sometimes it's hungering for a time of prayer or even a time of fasting. Sometimes encounter is just opening up the Word of God. And all of a sudden a scripture is just, it's just there. And you can't move away from it. It is there. Your eyes are on it. It's caught your attention. Sometimes that's an encounter with God. Sometimes an encounter is being so deliberate and so determined like Jacob was in Genesis chapter 32. And he says, I will not let you go unless, unless you bless me. How determined have we been in the last few years? When everything in our world says slow down, lock down, shut down, isolate, cut off, be careful, safety first, don't take any risks, don't step out of the boat, all of those things. And we had to do all of those because it was the right thing to do. But take, take care that it doesn't go into your spiritual existence with God, into your relationship with God, that the church itself has become so passive that we don't reach out anymore that we don't hunger anymore, that we don't thirst anymore, that we don't fast anymore, that we don't attend anymore, that we've lost our pursuit of the Lord. Encounter looks like that. Encounter is when certain words leap at you and it might be just one word, one word that God has given you and yet that one word changes your life. It changes your life. It is one word that changes your life. 
Maybe some of you have had a word like that. I have from time to time. But here's the caution with encounter. We can't live by memory. We can't live by memories. We just can't. Because encounter is daily, daily, daily hungering and thirsting after the things of the Spirit. And I want us to go to, and I want to talk to you this morning about from encounter to where. Leviticus chapter 6, and I'll abbreviate some of this, but Leviticus chapter 6, verses 8 through to 10, and then I'll go into... Uh, 12 and 13, it says that the Lord said to Moses, give Aaron and his sons this command. These are the regulations for the burnt offering. The burnt offering is to remain on the altar hearth throughout the night till morning and the fire must be kept burning on the altar. And down, down in verse 12 and 13, it says that the fire on the altar must be kept burning It must not go out every morning. Every morning the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. Continuously. It must not go out. The fire must not go go out. This Old Testament scripture symbolizes to us so clearly about fire. And many times throughout scripture, when God refers to certain things or gives us a picture of things, or even describes himself as a consuming fire, the fire is always a reminder of his power. The fire was a sign of his presence and the fire was a constant, constant visual that he was the source. But it also says here that during the night time, during the night time, the fire was not to go out. Let's just go there for a minute. That means at the darkest time, at the very darkest time, the fire was to keep burning. What about the darkest time? What about the night time of our own lives? What about the times when trouble hits, when pressure came, when the worry and the fear was so real, when you got hit by another round of disappointment, when discouragement kind of, you thought that one was just about the end for you, when you can't see where you're going, when you don't know your next move, should the fire of faith and passion and love for the Lord still keep burning? What about the fire of vision? Has that kept burning? Because Proverbs tells us that without a vision, the church perishes. Without a vision, men and women of God drop off. Their faith becomes shipwrecked. Without a vision, we've got nowhere to go from here. Without a vision, we start to rely upon our own understanding instead of His. Without a vision, we've got nothing in our belly to get us even to tomorrow, let alone our destination. Three times in the book of Leviticus from uh, that chapter 6, verse 9, 12 and 13, 
We are told three times, do not let the fire go out. Three times. Whenever God repeats himself, you know, there's a pretty good reason why he's saying that. Don't let the fire go out. And you know what? As I say these words, share them with you today. I am stirring up the gift of God within me today because there's plenty in my personal world right now that could just knock me right off track. There's plenty in my personal world right now that could discourage my heart so deeply that, God, I don't even know whether I want to find the energy to rise again, let alone am I able. But I tell you what, the Spirit of God is speaking right now. Do not let the fire go out. Don't let it go out. And some of you are dealing with physical things that are an enormous challenge. Some of us have got family stories going on. It's like, how did we get here? How did we get there? Some of us have got financial things that God, unless you become Jehovah Jireh, my provider in this, there is no way on the other side of this. What do we do with these nighttime hours? We stir up the gift of God within us. We remember that His power has always been His power, always will be His power. And we remember that He is the source of my life. He is the source. In Leviticus 6, verse 11, it says that they were to take off their clothes and put on other clothing, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. They were to put the ashes outside the camp to a place that was ceremonially clean. They were to put the ashes outside the camp. And I want to say, church, God has spoken to me this week, put the ashes outside the camp. If we're going to keep the fire of faith burning, the fire of vision burning, if we're going to move from encounter to where God wants us to go, then we've got to put the ashes that have gathered up around about our lives, whatever's taken place in your life, the ashes have got to go outside the camp. Ashes, as you know, will put the fire out. You let those ashes, you know, collect and gather and remain around a fire, what happens? The fire will start to smoke, smoke you out of the room and eventually that fire goes out. What are those ashes to you and I today? The church in 2022, it's the ashes of compromise. They'll put the fire out. It's the ashes of shame and regret and if you soak in that long enough, that is enough to knock out any sense of life in you at all. Any sense of hope is gone. The ashes of things that have broken down that it should have never got that broken down. The ashes of unforgiveness, the ashes of yesterday that you so want to get past, but you are so locked into yesterday's events that you don't know how you're going to get to tomorrow because I keep getting stuck in yesterday. The ashes of murmuring and grumbling and complaining, they will knock the fire out of you faster than anything else. In fact, we learn about the people of Israel never entered the promised land because of murmuring, grumbling and complaining. 
And for those of us that think we're justified in murmuring, grumbling and complaining, you've got to get your eyes on destiny and say, whatever's taken place, God is my source. God is my destiny. Do you know our destiny is up to us? The ashes of murmuring, grumbling and complaining will take the fire out of you instead of us finding that His grace is sufficient. But the ashes had to go to a place that was clean and I find that quite significant because we've got to bring our lives again. We get washed by the Word of God. You know, the Word makes us clean. It just does. It makes us clean. When we come before the Lord with a heart that is surrendered and even in repentance, there's an old-fashioned word that we barely use anymore. But repentance is saying, God, I don't want to carry this anymore in my life. I don't want this part of my story. I repent of it. I lay it before you right now. I pray that the blood of Jesus and the Word of God would wash me clean. Let the slate of my life be absolutely clean in your sight because the only sight that that matters is what you see. Get rid of the ash. Get rid of the ash. It's a big deal, church. The church is a big deal. The men and women here today and those joining us online, it is a big deal what's in our heart, what's in our soul. Not only were the ashes to be put outside the camp, but there had to be a clothing change. We got to walk in robes of righteousness. You know what? We are in a day of evil. We really are. If you feed and feast on what's on the internet, what Meghan Markle is doing or not doing, that's for all the women my age, If you're looking at YouTube sites, if you're looking at that and feeding off that instead of the reality and the truth of the Word of God, the fire will go out in you quickly. You gotta, that that thing is like ash around your life. Put it out, turn it off. Throw it in the bin if you have to, but don't let it be your source. They were to put the ashes outside the camp and they were to have a clothing change. And everything in Scripture has meaning and purpose. And all of these things were so that God would have a people on the earth that He would recognise. A people that He would recognise and know that that's my church. That's my church. The presence, the power, the reality of God is not an option to us. It is a command. It is a command. In verse 12 of Leviticus 6, they had to add the firewood, replenish the wood. And they had to go at it every single day, every single day and pick up fresh firewood and bring it back to the fire and put it on the fire. And church, I want us not to get stuck in the memory of encounter, 
But I want us to go from encounter to somewhere and in order for that to happen, every single day, fresh firewood has to be on the fire of our own lives. On the fire of our own lives, the fire of our own faith, the fire of our own story, the fire of our relationship with God. And there's certain things... There's certain things that are a non-negotiable for me personally because I know if I go there, the fire will go out and I'm responsible for what's in here. Nobody else, just me. One of the ways that we can keep the fire going, and there's many, but this we probably won't have time this morning, but one of the ways is in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, where it says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Your confession of hope and faith is just one way, an important way to keep the fire burning, to add firewood to the fire. My confession is I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord, all my soul. And I will not forget not one single benefit. Not one. I will praise the Lord for my salvation. I will praise the Lord for my healing. I will praise the Lord that God is renewing and restoring and rebuilding. I will praise the Lord. I praise the Lord this morning. Do you just do that when you feel like it, when life is great, when it's all ticking over nicely? No, I will praise the Lord. I will. My confession is that mountains are being made level. My confession is that tables are being turned and I will hold fast to the confession of my hope for my hope is in the Lord. Your confession will will either put the fire out or cause the fire to burn. One thing I've noticed with people that have stayed in that place of encounter is that they've got a hunger. They've got a hunger. I was having conversations even over the last few days and I'm amazed at these conversations that are starting to get a familiar a familiar sound to them. Met with one of our national leaders just last week and uh, we generally catch up a few times a year, but, you know, I sat down with her. Within five minutes of sitting down to lunch, she said, revival is coming. Within minutes. That's not something that she would generally say. We generally say, how's your kids? How's your grandkids? How's your church? What are you doing? How's your health? How's your husband? Within minutes of sitting down, she said, revival is coming. I would have had that same conversation with I can't tell you how many. And I tell you where revival starts, it starts in the house of the Lord. Judgment starts with the house of the Lord. And while that might be a very sobering thought, do you know what that speaks to me about when I say that judgment begins with the house of the Lord, that means to me that the ashes are going outside the camp. 
and the pathway is cleared for the fire to burn again. God, revive your church again. Let us walk in the things of the Spirit again. Let a hunger and thirst for prayer and the things of the Spirit be so alive in us that we want nothing else, that we are ruined for the ordinary and we want the extraordinary things of the Spirit. God begins to stir something within us, fresh thoughts, desires, dreams, a new set of priorities are put in place and we do not neglect coming together. I was talking to Pastor David and Pastor Glenda Morrison this morning. David's been at home with, a, with his back in pain. And he said, I've been at home, but there's nothing like being in the room. There's nothing like being in the room. And so they had to push the, put the ash outside, change the clothes, collect the firewood. And three times God said, do not let the fire go out. And I don't know about you, but that just resonates in here with me. What do I need to do to keep the fire alive in here? In the book of Haggai that we've been taking you into, they were told to go to the mountain too. They were told to collect the timber. <coughs> but there's... there's one of the scriptures that I can't personally shake, and maybe this is just for me. Maybe it is just for me, but I'll share it with you as well. In Haggai 2.19, it says, it's a question. It's a question. Is there any seed left in the barn? Oh, I don't know. Every time I read that, my goodness, I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking me that question. And that might mean something different to you to what it means to me. But even this week, it says, is there, is there any seed left in the barn? Because until now, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. And I read that again with fresh eyes this week. And I thought, God... What prayers, what seed is still in me? What seed, what prayers, what intercession, what declaration, what prophecies, what words of the Spirit are still in me that you want to come from here, out of this mouth of here, so that that pomegranate, that fig, that olive can bear the fruit that it was always meant to bear. Now, I don't know whether you hear or feel what I'm feeling right now, but I feel it in the Holy Spirit right now as I say that. There are trees that are still meant to bear fruit that we've not seen fruit yet. And God is awakening and reviving something in the house of God, even this morning as we bring this Word, even this morning as this goes out. There are trees, there are prayers that are still, there's seed, but is there any seed left in the barn? Let me close with a couple of thoughts. What is revival really? It's a move of God's Spirit. And as the days are rolling on, I see no other solution. I see no other solution for this earth of ours. I see no other solution for our nation. I see no other solution other than a move of God's Spirit. Some of these things are beyond human capabilities. 
It's got to be a move of God's Spirit. It's just got to be. But here's what I was encouraged by this week. And I, in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17, it says, And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And I do not believe that God is hiding from us, His church, what He is about to do, what He has begun to do. He is not hiding from us that He's about to revive us, that He's about to restore many of our lives, that He's saying to us the ashes have to go outside the camp because the fire has got to burn again. God is not hiding from us that the good work that He started, He doesn't quit halfway. He doesn't stop halfway. But it's us that's let the ashes build up. And that's why He's saying this morning, put the ashes aside, let the fire burn again. Begin to get the confession of faith and hope in an unwavering way. Let the fire burn again. And that which I started back then, I'm about to complete. He pours out His Spirit for a reason. Not so that we can roll or shake or fall over or have a nice little experience for a few minutes on a Sunday. He revives His church for an eternal purpose. And the church has got a place to play on planet Earth so that you and I will carry the timber of responsibility, carry the timber of our call and our gifts and our anointing, I tell you what, the more I think about it, even gifts are not that impressive anymore. But I tell you what is impressive, and it is anointing, because anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. Anointing breaks the yoke of what the enemy has tried to tie up the church with. The anointing has to rise again. The anointing is what makes the difference. It's a work of the Spirit. And I believe God wants to revive His church. We've got to put on some fresh clothing. Some fresh clothing of the robe of righteousness. And get back to God, whatever's pleasing to you is pleasing to me. And whatever is distasteful to you is distasteful to me. And if that means putting out those things that He takes no pleasure in, then so be it. I want us to move, Highway Church. I want us to move. I do, I want us to move from encounter to another encounter, to another encounter, and to another encounter, and to another encounter, and to another encounter, all the way through to when we go to eternity. Because the church is meant to go from glory to glory, from glory to glory. And it takes a hungry and a determined heart to say, 
I will not let the ash build up. Build up. I will allow the fire of faith to burn in me. And I tell you what, one of the ways, and we've not even spoken this morning about prayer or fasting or reading the Word or anything like that, but we've got to get the confession of faith and hope in an unwavering God at work in our own lives. And if you will just do that, you will start to see the ash diminish and the fire rise and God will start to revive your life again. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Father, I pray for Your church this morning. God, I pray today. Lord, You know every life, You know every story, You know every pressure, You know every everything. There's nothing that's hidden from You. But I pray today, I ask You, Holy Spirit, that Your Word would be a lamp to their feet and a light to their path. I pray, Lord, that the seed of Your Word this morning would be so embedded within them that it would start to produce what it was always designed to produce. Lord, just as You did not hide from Abraham what You were about to do, I thank You, Lord, that You're awakening us and stirring us and reviving us and speaking to us because You're not hiding from us what You're about to do. And I pray for every life here that it be revived, that it be healed and restored, that we can carry what You want us to carry. In the Name of Jesus. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you'd like to get in contact with us or find out more about Highway Church, go to highway.com.au.